Hi, this is Adam Tarinas, CEO and founder of Health Launchpad. We help technology companies navigate the healthcare market. This is episode two of the Health Tech Podcast. This week, we are talking to Ed Gordat, the CEO and founder of Sensinet. Sensinet is a really innovative risk management solution that's helping healthcare solution systems manage their vendors. So, Ed, um, thank you for thank you for taking part today. So. Tell us a little about, about yourself and tell us a little, little bit about what Sensinet does. Sure. Thanks, Adam. Uh, so let's see. I've been uh, in software all of my career. Started out in 1987 um, and I've been uh, pretty much um, associated with helping companies um, start up and grow. And I've been fortunate um, to work with some really great products and great teams over the course of my career companies that have gone public. Um, most notably, I was at a company called Improvada before I founded Sensinet. And Improvada um, basically provided a, a set of security and workflow tools to the healthcare industry. And it was the first time in my career that I'd ever been associated and worked with the healthcare industry, and I really loved it. So from when I uh, had the opportunity to, um, to start up an, an, another company, um, I connected with um, a co-founder, uh, Keith Figlioli, who um, spent uh, uh, most of his career in healthcare as well. And um, he was coming out of a, a GPO, a group, or a, a group purchasing organization uh, called Premier. And know them well, yeah. Yeah, you know them well. So yeah, so they, they, they basically help healthcare providers um, in their supply chain navigate contracts and uh, agreements and, um, and so um, he had seen this problem, and I similarly had seen the problem uh, of, of managing third-party risk and supplier risk um, from both sides, right? From the provider side and also from the, uh, the supplier or the vendor side. Explain, yeah. explain what that risk is. So, you know, yeah, for sure. people aren't that familiar with that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if, if, if you've ever sold into healthcare, you're most likely familiar with the requirement to um, complete a risk assessment, a security risk assessment. And um, obviously um, that enables the healthcare provider and the risk teams to assess the level of risk that they're um, basically, um, you know, dealing with and, uh, you know, maybe accepting uh, to bring your product or service inside, right? So obviously, you know, we just, pick up the paper and you'll read about the breaches that occur and it's getting worse, right? So the breach data uh, year over year, um, you know, is, is, is larger than, uh, you know, any previous year. And uh, the, 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 the breach numbers continue to grow um, exponentially, uh, which you would assume at some point would be start to flatten out, right? So the curve for breaches, given the investments we're making as an industry in cybersecurity should be leveling off, but they're not, they're getting worse. And they're getting, um, you know, much riskier. And so if you think about data breaches, um, you know, on whole, they can be embarrassing, they can be inconvenient, they can be costly, but, um, you know, you, you sort of get through that if, you're, if your data is, you know, exposed, right? However, if you're connected to a medical device um, or you're connected to some other application that delivers care, and that's critical for that care delivery and um, is critical for sustaining and supporting life 
and that gets hacked or that gets attacked, um, that's a problem, right? Now that's, that's, that's about patient harm. That's about patient safety. And it becomes personal um, because that could be your, your father, your mother, your grandfather, your grandmother, your daughter, your wife on that system. And especially as we look at today and what's happening today with, um, with COVID-19, right? More and more people are relying on those um, life-sustaining um, medical devices. So this is a much broader um, problem that um, has, uh, you know, has certainly escalated over the last five years um, and has moved from simply the data that health providers manage um, on your behalf, your patient data, to actually those, um, those clinical applications, devices, and other things that are you know, part of that care delivery system. And I've, I've heard that uh, the security breaches have spiked during the coronavirus crisis. Are you, are you seeing that? We, we, we are. Um, certainly, you know, in any time of crisis, um, you've got bad actors, right, right that, that mobilize and try to take advantage of the, of the situation. And everything from fraudulent, fraudulent organizations that are, you know, selling um, protective, personal protective equipment, right? So like face masks uh, or robes um, or gowns um, or gloves. Um, to your, um, you, you know, your, your, your traditional bad actors that are always trying to infiltrate your network and either um, um, take data out of it or actually worse is to lock it up, right? And, and, and so it's one thing to lose data. It's another thing to actually um, uh, lose it in the context of operational data, right? So what happens if my systems now are actually um, locked up due to ransomware. That's a real problem because now I can't operate as a, as a, as a are you seeing, are you seeing increases in ransomware? Oh we, yeah. We've seen pre COVID we've seen increases in ransomware and, and, and it's significant because it's literally shutting down provider organizations. It's shutting down physician practices. It's shutting down ambulatory practices, care practices um, because they can't come up with the money and pay the ransom. And, and it's a big issue across this industry. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. And so how are you, you know what, uh, when I talk to other health tech companies, I kind of see, you know, in simple terms, I sort of, they kind of fall into two camps right now. Those that are essentially kind of shut down by coronavirus because, you know, they, they, they just can't sell to the healthcare systems. Mm -hmm. Healthcare systems haven't got time for them. And the others that are just, the hair's on fire. They, you know, that anybody in telehealth remote monitoring is just going in, you know, is insanely busy. They don't, they don't have time to talk to anybody other than their, their customers right now. How's it, has it affected your business? Yeah, like like everyone else, um, you know, we quickly assessed the situation. Um, I put uh, all employees in a remote status March 9th, so um, a little earlier than, than a lot of companies. Yeah. Um, but I've got a couple of employees that have just recently had um, had newborns, and um, they commute into the the city. We're in Boston, and I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to take any risks there. So we went uh, remote um, as an organization pretty early. Mm. Um, we're, you know, obviously, um, learning from that. We've, um, acquired certain tools, more licenses for zoom. We yeah. live on Slack. So we're, we're, we're pretty good. I mean, we, we talk on a regular basis. We're, 
you know, we're doing social events as well. We're just trying to stay connected to everybody and make sure a everyone's safe and healthy and, and B we continue to move um, obviously the business forward. What we're finding on our, from our customers is that they're continuing um, utilization of the product, which is great. We, we, we talk uh, weekly with every customer um, either, you know, for, you know, 15 minutes or, or longer, depending on, you know, the topic. Um, we're constantly um, taking in input from them as well on the things that, um, you know, they're dealing with and, and, and working to, um, you know, to, to, to try to extend the product in areas that we hadn't originally built it for. So, for example, I talked earlier about fraudulent, um, you know, uh, bad actors that were, um, you know, trying to um, scam dollars out of these healthcare providers. And we recently had a hospital call us up and said, hey, did you do anything here? Um, we, we need to, we need to acquire PPE and, um, you know, there are a number of bad actors out there. So we created a, basically a workflow and a risk assessment questionnaire that would give them a, you know, a, a quick indication on whether or not it was a legitimate, um, provider of PPE. Wow. So, so, yeah, so, so, so those are things that we're, you know, we're constantly working with our customers on, um, we, um, you know, like everybody else, um, we, we looked really hard at where we were spending money and, you know, for startups, um, cash is king and cash flow is critical. And, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, right. Oh, so, yeah. so we made the appropriate cuts. Um, we have not cut any employees and, uh, we currently don't have a plan to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, we're lucky we're small, um, yep. but, um, you know, we've done and, and we acted quickly too. So, um, that was able to you know, that enabled right. us to extend, uh, you know, runway appropriately. Um, but, you know, we're in good shape. And like I said, we continue to work um, with, with customers on um, as they roll out and deploy our solution. Uh, we just, we just rolled, uh, we just did a new deployment this week with a new customer, um, a, a hospital here in the Boston area. And, um, you know, what was great is they had a, um, you know, they were spending significant money through using a third party uh, to do these assessments and we saved them, you know, about three uh, X. Um, wow. Yeah. Huh. So, so, you know, what you're finding is, and, and this is the real, you know, interesting part of this, um, you know, of this problem um, that we're solving is that it's highly manual in nature. And everyone um, does it pretty much the same way. They're using spreadsheets, they're using um, emails and phone calls, or they're working with a third-party consulting group to basically offload the, the manual work. And some of these, you know, groups will, um, you know, put up sort of a tech-enabled service, but behind that is really a bunch of people doing the work, right? We take a very different approach to solving the problem, and I believe in automation. I've been, you know, building solutions that automate um, manual processes all my career. Yeah. And so we're we're all about taking the cost out of the problem, taking the cost out of that process, mm. and and really, um, you know, providing a a solution that a enables them enables them to do their job, um, enables them to do it faster and with more coverage which is a real challenge, you know, essentially if you're, um, you know, if, it, you know, if you're governed by the number of resources and hours you have, right? So automation can do a really good job of extending that um, and allowing you to cover more and more of the, of, of your supply chain. 
as it relates to risk. And then, you know, lastly, this is not just a technical problem, but it's, it's an economic problem. And so for us, um, we've taken a very different approach. We've created a two-sided network, effectively, a marketplace, if you will, that yep. con connects um, the providers with their supply chain of third-party vendors. And when you do that, you get some really interesting benefits. So as an example, um, from the vendor's perspective, I have to deal with all of these different assessments, different formats, different questions, um, whether they be contextual or, 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 or different, uh, you know, the same question just asked differently. So there's a semantic challenge, right? And, and as a vendor, it's really difficult to get leverage um, based on the previous work I've done. So if I've seen one risk assessment, I've seen one risk assessment, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, we en what we enable the vendor to do is basically fill it out one time right. based on their organizational risk, but also on their product risk or services risk, and then leverage that and reuse that across the network. And we call right. that a one-click one assessment, effectively. But, but, but that enables a, um, a vendor to, um, to leverage technology and automation to provide more transparency, right? And, yep. and, 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 and trans, I always like to say transparency is the enemy of risk, right? If you can provide that trusted network where things are much more transparent, you have a better chance of reducing risk overall, not just, not just in that isolated one-to-one -one situation, but as an industry, and that's what's really excited to me. Exciting to me is that, you know, we we think about it broadly. We think about the industry risk, not the one to one risk that a provider has with a particular, you know, one or more vendors. We believe that as an industry, we have an ability to actually, you know, reduce risk across the industry. And and, yeah. and to me, that will I I believe that will move the needle on breach data. Um, that will move the needle on those organizations that are getting breached or, or, or having to deal with ransomware or having to deal with cyber attacks on medical devices or other devices within their organization. Right, because you can constantly update it and have the vendors keep that updated. You know, I just, just an observation is having been on the vendor side, um, you know, it's, it's a really powerful message because every time we'd be you know responding to an rfp or going through the risk assessment process as you say you've seen one risk assessment you've seen one risk assessment and i would hate it that i'd have to go up to our cto who's an incredibly busy hard-working guy and ask him to spend six hours completing this form because you know one particular healthcare system did it differently than the last one he did you know, rather than focusing on what he really needed to be focusing on, which was, you know, building you, building out the product. Um, that's right. That, 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 that's exactly, that's, that, that's correct. And, and so, and that's what's exciting, right? Because now we can, and we see this happening, right? Now um, we, we find healthcare providers that are taking those, you know, valuable resources that were stretched thin um, anyway, and and having the opportunity to redeploy them into higher value areas of the business right. and and that is you know most important as we look at you know what we're dealing with today right everyone on the front lines and god bless everyone that's that's doing this work today um you know is faced with helping out 
um, the, 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 the hospital and the clinicians um, deal with the pandemic. And so, you know, generally things like, you know, risk assessments would, would, would take a back, back seat to that. However, what we're finding is that they also have to acquire these tools and technologies that they weren't, you know, considering previously to now deal with this. Um, and, and so there's still, there's still that matter of risk and they still have to manage that risk in the context now of dealing with COVID-19. So we're, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, I was obviously expecting that customers would slow down usage, which hasn't happened. I was also expecting customer, you know, prospects really to not return calls, which, you know, has not happened. So, hmm. uh, the good news is, you know, our business continues and people continue to be interested in, in really, again, um, not just, um, you know, not just acquiring technology for technology's sake, but really looking at ways that they can free up those resources internally and, uh, but still continue the process of managing risk across the organization. Because again, it's one thing um, to, to shut down a particular process that may not be directly related to to clinical care or patient care. It's another thing to get shut down because now you've been hit by a ransomware yeah. attack. So or, 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 or your medical devices have been hit. And so now, you know, you, you cannot, you, you can no longer deliver care, patient care. So, so, so we still believe that there are core functions within a health system that still have to continue to operate. What, you know, I'm starting to talk to a number of organizations that are, that are looking beyond the current crisis. You know, they're starting to think about how the world's changing on how this is going to change their business and change the healthcare technology market. What are your thoughts on it? Where, where, where do you see this? What, what do you see as uh, possible disruptions that will really change that will make some fairly significant changes in what we do and how we do it? Well, well, I think first and foremost, you know, there's, there's, um, there's, there's this notion of prioritization that's happening, right? And it's happening in, in real time for, for the industry. And so they're literally, um, you know, assessing things um, quickly, you know, those things that they need to continue doing, those things that they can either delay or suspend altogether. So I think when we come out of this, um, the people will look at those things that really made a significant difference and those things that mm. didn't and uh, they'll adjust accordingly. Um, and um, so I think that's, you know, there's this, this, this notion of really understanding what I need to do to move my, my, my organization forward, whether it's a, a healthcare organization or a restaurant, quite, quite frankly. Right. And um and I think from a start, you know, from, from, from the perspective of startups across, you know, across the world, across the U.S., um, how they think about growth and how they think about managing um, their resources, their people, um, but also their cash um, is going to change significantly as well. So, um, so I just think that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll develop muscle memory from this, right? Which mm -hmm. we'll be able to apply um, in, in good times and in bad times. And I think people will just start to think differently about, you know, overall operations, strategy, business, working with customers, um, et cetera. 
makes that makes a lot of sense. So let's go back. Um, tell, you know, I'm always fascinated about the backstory on any startup. And I remember we, we were talking uh, a few weeks ago and, and I, I thought your story was really interesting of how you, how you, you know, how the business evolved from an idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it started off in uh, July of 2017. Um, Keith, like I told you, had called me and, um, we set up a coffee, you know, we set up a, a, a you know, scheduled to basically to meet for coffee and, and talk about the idea. And, and he had been thinking about this deeply for a while. And, and I had to literally had just thought about it, um, within the context of, of supplier risk across, um, more than just healthcare. And, um, we sat down and began to riff on, on the problem set. And, um, I was really excited about um, a leveraging um, his insight and perspective coming out of the GPO, and um, also my my experience, even though it was limited in healthcare. Again, I spent um, you know previously uh, that one company at, at, in Pravada in healthcare, but I learned a lot, and I really enjoyed working with with healthcare providers. And what I found coming out of you know that experience is that. Those relationships you build with CIOs and CISOs and clinicians within healthcare are very different than the relationships you might be building with huh. CISOs um, in finance, right? And or you know in manufacturing or in energy. Why? Why is that? Yeah, I, I just think it's a different mission, right? So healthcare, um, it's the first time that I was able to tell my mother what I did, and she got it. Right, and I'll give you another example. Um, I was at, I, I broke my leg um, about, uh, let's see, when, when was that? That was in 2000, and, uh, uh, it was actually in early 2017, I, I'd broken my leg before I had started Sensinet, and um, I was still at Improvada, basically. And um, I went into my local um, hospital, obviously, and then I was sent to see an orthopedic surgeon, and I met with her, and I happened to have my improvised jacket on. And she noticed the jacket, and she looked at me, she said, Cortex, and that was a product that I had actually built. It was a, it's a secure communication and collaboration product. It was a cloud system. And my local hospital was a customer, and so she was using the product, and mm -hmm. And so we began to talk, and my wife was with me, and we began to talk about the product for 20 minutes. <laughs> and my wife finally looked at, uh, looked at her and she said, are you going to look at his leg? Like, are you going to spend any time looking at his leg? <laughs> so that experience, so working, cool. working with providers and clinicians on the front line, mm. and where your technology was literally making a difference, was was a yeah. unique experience for me and i really you know i learned a lot from it and again those relationships are such that you know when i started up sensinet um i immediately reached out to a bunch of um cios i'd worked with and i said hey help me validate this problem yeah and they all said yeah we, we've got the problem and i talked about a dozen uh, uh you know across the u.s different you know large hospitals small hospitals and I said, great, help me, help me design a solution that solves it. Help me really understand the problem deeply. And, and we began to set up a series of discovery workshops with these providers. And we really codified the pain, the problem, the workflows that were associated with the, the process as it existed manually. And from that, we were able to design the first set of requirements for the platform. It really 
um, you know, helped us get to an MVP much quicker than I have had, you know, experienced before. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and subsequently to a, to a, to a ver you know, to a release, uh, in early, uh, well, actually it was mid 2018. So, so less than a year, we got to market with a solution and then began to sell that solution. Um, you know, we sold into large hospitals, um, and, uh, you know, and, and small hospitals. So, you know, our current customers are providers like Intermountain Healthcare in Utah, Wow. <laughs> Partners, Partners Healthcare, Cedars, Sinai. Um, uh, we have small ones too. Dayton Children's is a small customer. Um, so, so, you know, and, and, and a base state out in Western Mass. Um, so, you know, we, we, we sell um, and, and work with these customers again to solve this, this, this problem. And, and, and many of those um, early customers were also part of that design cohort that really helped me think through the the problem and um and and build the, the platform and they continue to spend significant time with us you know thinking through what else we can add to the product um what else, what other things we can automate as part of that workflow solution that's and, the and, ideal way to start a do a health tech startup like that just to get, yeah, get that's right Right. And, and, and listen, this is a problem that exists largely um, across industries. So everybody's got this problem, whether it's mm. a, a health, a healthcare system, a hospital, a clinic, you know, a, a manufacturing, uh, you know, firm, um, you know, energy uh, banking, obviously. And we all have to manage the risk that's associated with third parties um, that are managing our business processes. And more and more of those business processes are being managed through external third parties, whether it's a, a, it's a cloud system, whether it's a connected device, whether it's a mobile application. And technology continues obviously to evolve, innovation continues to evolve. And so, you know, every, you know, it seems like, you know, every month there's something new out there that has to be um, thought through in the context of risk. If I bring in blockchain, what does that mean to my organization? If I bring in AI or machine learning, what does that mean to my organization? If I move this on-premise solution to the cloud, what does that mean in terms of risk? If I bring in this medical device and connect it to my network that's connected to the internet that has now a mobile device or a mobile application associated with it, right? Now you start to compound those risks as solutions become multi-headed, right? It used to be that a medical device was deployed in a segmented network that you could manage. Now it's it's got an IP address. It can be deployed in many and configured in many different ways, and that increases a you know your overall risk. And you've got to understand what that risk is um, based not only on the device that's in the box, but also when you take it out of the box and you configure it and you, you know, you begin to operate it um, across your network. So those are things that we help providers with, um, you know, as they you, begin. You've got some pretty impressive investors. Um, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you went about raising capital. Sure. Well, again, I mean, it, it helps to have a co-founder that's a, a that's a partner at a venture firm. So again, oh, yeah. yeah. So Keith, <laughs> so Keith's a partner at LRV health and um, uh, that really helped, um, you know, identify our initial um, you know, um, syndicate, if you will, for the, for the seed round. And, um, 
and from there, um, we, we raised, uh, last year we raised a Series A round, which um, we've added people like HLM Ventures, that venture partners, and you know they've done things like Teladoc, right? So they've got some really great, yeah. great experience, obviously in healthcare. Um, we uh, we also work uh, with uh, in, in in Cedar Sinai is not just a customer; they're an investor, and and um, they provide significant help, not just um, obviously on the product as a customer, but also as an investor in things like strategy and things like uh, go to market, um, how we think about partnering. Um, and, 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 uh, obviously, um, you know, that goes a long way with the, not just the near term requirements, but the longer term view of where we're taking the, the company. Yeah. I think, I think you've, I think you're a template for the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, it's very, it's very impressive. No, I, pre- I, I appreciate that. You know, and we're, we're, we're helping those start. And another thing we're doing too, and you know, this, you can't really get this from the website, but we're we're also working with the mass um, mass challenge and the high tech um, group that basically um, you know has the um, you know is an incubator for digital health organizations, yep. and we recently made an announcement there where we're partnering to bring a standard set of uh, risk questions that these startups can um, can use on our platform, and um, and uh, we also spend time helping those startups really understand um, where to make investments early on and, and then how to communicate those security programs and information security programs that they have in place and that they're building, right? Because you're, you're a startup and you can't afford out of the, out of the gate to, um, to have a security posture like an Amazon or like a Microsoft, right. right? And so, you know, and we went through the process because we're a startup as well. So we actually used our product to really help us create a, uh, a proactive and dynamic information security program. And I have, a, I have a CISO on staff and basically, you know, he drives our overall security program and leverages our product to, um, you know, to, to work through our maturity as an organization and to, to manage the maturity of our security programs. And so we've taken all of that and we're, 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 we're giving that back to those startups that, you know, obviously can get on our platform and manage their, you know, their risk assessments, but also to give them knowledge and give them templates and really help them prioritize what things to do first. Those things that make the, you know, you know may not cost them a lot of money, but have a big effect on how they communicate their risk posture as they're selling into healthcare and as they're working with providers that are assessing risk. Um, we, you know, we help them, um, you know, bootstrap uh, policy creation by giving them templates around policies that they can they can use and build. Wow, I I think back to when we started. You know, when I started my health tech startup in 2013 and i wish i'd had that then i mean because just trying to trying to convince a prospective client customer that you know that uh, our tiny little startup was low risk was incredibly hard particularly as it was a secure communications product yeah it, it is hard it's and it's 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 complex and you know there's a lot of approaches that have been out there for for you know for several years that are valuable but they're 
they're also a bit antiquated in their assumptions, right? And, and specifically what I mean by that is, um, you know, these certifications that get done um, and cost a lot of money and take a lot of time to do. And by the time they're done, they're out of date pretty much. And, and risk really has to be done much more frequently, much more real time, much more continuous. So this notion that I'm going to go out and do a SOC 2 audit, which again is valuable, but can cost a startup $60,000 to do. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And, and for what a piece of paper that says, um, I've got all of these areas that I might have to fix over time and remediate. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm gonna have to do it again for another 60 grand. I mean, it just, it, it, as I said, this is not just a technical problem. It's an economical problem on both sides, right? right. On the provider side and also on the vendor side. And, and that's what makes it so exciting and, and, and difficult, quite frankly, because we're creating this two-sided network that requires, um, you know, us to build both sides, you know, at the same time, right? It's sort of the chicken and egg um, situation. And, and, but, you know, as you build those connections and you, as you build that deep understanding of that processing workflow and the content um, and um, additional data that you can actually create um, from those learnings and from those interactions, you're, you're effectively creating a moat. Yeah. And, and so what we're, what we're finding is that, um, you know, this ability to go deep into healthcare is really helping us. And when I say deep, third-party risk, most people think of as suppliers, right? I've got, I'm going to buy this cloud application. I'm going to assess the risk of this medical device and I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to deploy it. And then I'm, I may, if I have time, I may reassess it every year or, you know, periodically based on how critical it is to my operations. And that's certainly, you know, a vector of risk and it's an important vector and it's sort of, you know, it's sort of our, our, you know, our tip of the spear, if you will. But there are other scenarios in healthcare that are third party, but don't really um, represent or reflect a traditional third party scenario. I'll give you the point in time. Um, I'll give you a, 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 a couple of examples. Um, so you have this notion of information exchange, right? And that could be a one-time event. It could be for research. It could be for a number of different use cases. And that requires a very special set of assessment um, workflows, but also questionnaires, right? Questions. Um, that you would guide those participants through. What happens when you're affiliating with a practice and you want to assess the risk of that practice? That's a third party, but not in the traditional sense of a supplier. So there are many examples like this that we pull in from our customers and then we codify into the platform and then we enable. So we're really consolidating all of these aspects of risk management within the organization under that single pane of glass and we're leveraging the not just the knowledge and experience but that significant um, understanding deep understanding of healthcare and 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 the you know in the myriad of use cases that are risky 
and that require this assessment process. And, and that's really exciting to our customers, but also very valuable. And a traditional or a, a general solution in this space that has to support not just healthcare, but maybe you know, manufacturing and banking and, and petroleum and gas and, and all of these different industries, transportation in the airline industry or whatever, they're never gonna go deep into healthcare. Right. Because they can't, they have to service all these different industries. So that horizontal solution is gonna be provide a, a level of features and functionalities, but it's never gonna deliver that deep set of value that that a health provider needs to really run. Well, it is, it is a unique, it, it is such a unique industry. You know, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that advice be? Jeez. Um, buy more Amazon stock. <laughs> well, how about as a, well, that would save you having to be an entrepreneur, but no, as an entrepreneur, what would that be? I, I'm joking around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. You know, I think... Um, I think I would have reached out. I think most, you know, I think um, like, like, like many young people, right. That start off in, you know, in, 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 in roles and, and everyone's got a sort of a different path and everyone's got a different approach to things. But um, I, I, I kind of entered into, into, you know, into technology in a very unique way. So I was going to a, I was I was attending a, a college that was a um, basically it's it's Bentley it's Bentley University now it was Bentley College at the time but it's basically a school for accountants right and I was not an accountant and nor would I ever be an accountant I'm a you know by trade I'm a writer and and so um, I went to the school um, and 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 ended up taking courses around business writing and marketing and things of that nature. And so um, when I was looking for my initial job, one of my advisors said, there are these companies in the Boston area, in the, in the Massachusetts area that are, they call them startups, and they're looking for technical writers to communicate their products in, you know, in the forms of documentation. So I'm like, okay, well, that sounds interesting. Um, I like technology and I like to write. And, and so that's how I kind of started out. And then I quickly realized that um, I had a, a knack for, 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 for seeing how markets were going to change and move. And, and quite frankly, it was very intuitive at first. Um, and I think that what I would have done differently is I would have spent more time really um, tuning that, if you will. It wasn't until about 10 years after I, you know, got into to technology where I had the confidence to really leverage that in a, you know, in a, in a much broader way. And so I think, you know, um, and, 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 and that confidence developed by really having the, the ability to uh, and the and the good and the good fortune to work with great startups with great executives that became mentors and friends and and people I work and, and still talk to today, um, 
and and they really helped guide me. And I was a little bit of a <laughs> I was a little bit of a a loose cannon. I still can be very passionate and very outspoken about things. A little bit of a bull in the china shop. Um, and they really helped me navigate the the you know the the corporate world, if you will, um, and uh, and 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 build that confidence. Um, to, um, you know, to, to, to leverage my, you know, my insight and um, my ability to see these, these trends at a market level. Well, that's great. Thank you. That's a really, really, really wise word. So, Ed, it's been really great speaking with you today and, and hearing the story about SenseNet, how you got started, how you got feedback from prospective customers and past clients to help you shape the business. And, um, you know, I think, I, I think there's some really interesting lessons for any health tech entrepreneur. So thank you very much for your time today, Ed. Thank you, Adam.